soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Then let the people sing praises. Verse 54, we read now. Having arrested him, that is Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he, Peter, denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. We continue on in verse 63. Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blasphemously spoke against him. Then in verse 66, we read this. As soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes, came together and led him into their council, saying, If you are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, Are you then the Son of God? So he said to them, You rightly say that I am. And they said, What further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Ultimately, the accusation against Jesus was that he claimed to be God. That was, you know, from the religious leaders of Israel, that was their claim against him. They tried to bring up phony charges, and we see that even next week. But, of course, Pilate, being a Roman, just he could see through it all. And, uh, again, it's affirmed the innocence of Jesus doing any wrongdoing is affirmed repeatedly throughout this final week in Jerusalem and even throughout these final 24 hours. Jesus always did those things to please the Father, and therefore, in his coming, he fulfilled the moral law perfectly, the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled the civil law perfectly, the perfect citizen, and he fulfilled the religious law, which symbolically spoke of him in the Old Testament perfectly, including being the Passover lamb himself. And so here he is, and it's just the hostilities there, and He's submitting to the will of the Father to go to the cross. The religious leaders want to kill him and put him to death. We saw this in great detail already a few weeks ago. And it just is what it is. Judas has betrayed him. And now we see that Peter has denied him. These soldiers, these temple guards, they, they beat him and mock him. And then it's the dawn. 
and the council comes together with these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin Council, the rulers of 70, and they are determined to run this course. And there's the purposes of God over it all. There is the evil of men and the the just total diabolical element of the devil himself, because we know that the devil entered Judas's heart in betraying Jesus. And so we have all these, we have the realm of time unfolding with men who are entrusted with teaching God's people about God, rejecting God, the Son of God, the religious leaders. We have men that love the Lord, denying the Lord, like Peter. And then we have men who are indifferent, beating the Lord, like these soldiers. And again, these religious leaders rejecting Jesus. But all these different elements moving around in this night, this night in time that changed human history, affects every one of us and every soul on this planet in the most absolute, profound way. There is nothing more purposeful than Christ going to the cross where this text is leading us in all of the human experience. We are gathered here tonight because of Jesus Christ is Lord of the church and the preeminent one in the church. We're gathered here because we're the body of Christ, we're the bride of Christ, and we have life in Jesus Christ. And like the church for 2,000 years, we are gathered here to praise the name of Jesus Christ. It's important to understand that. The church has always been meant to be a place of the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of God's word. And in each generation, the message of the cross and the gospel message going forth. And the church historically at times neglects that or replaces that or usurps that. But it's good to be here tonight and know that we are built around the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, the purpose of his coming, what he accomplished on the cross, and I hope that means for all of us tonight through faith in him for those that have it, and obviously the opportunity for faith in him, perhaps if you're here tonight and you don't, because I don't recognize everybody here, and it's always important that the opportunity is given. In this text, I purposely read Peter, what happened with Peter, then, the, then these guards, and then Jesus, just to put it all together collectively. So again, it's kind of like a midnight to 5 a.m., 6 a.m. type of uh, events unfolding here with, with Jesus. So first of all, with Peter, we really looked at Peter quite a bit a few weeks ago. Peter had a lot of confidence, and well, he, had, he loved the Lord. He had tremendous faith in the Lord. When he was called, he said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. So he, didn't, he knew he wasn't called because of his ability. He knew he served the Lord because of his availability. He'd be invited by the Lord into that special circle of three with John and James, the brothers, who he was in the fishing business with. And we'll never know why Andrew wasn't a part of that, right? Because the four of them were in the fishing business together, but the three were the inner three with Jesus. They're on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. They're in the room with Jairus' daughter when she was raised from the dead. Peter clearly had become um, a leader among equals, if you will, amongst the apostles. And he had courage, he had faith, he'd walk on water and then sink, and he, he'd cut off the servant's ear in the text last week. He had a sword, he took very little what Jesus said, get a sword, and while they're asking, do we protect you, he cut off the servant of the high priest's ear, Malchias. He, you know, if you think about it, like he gets a bad rap for that, but I mean, I mean, there's a whole crowd. Jesus said, you come in with clubs and swords, and you've got to give Peter a little bit of credit that he, he pulled out his little sword and cut someone's ear off. I mean, it's like a street fight. He did something, you know, he took, you know, they always say, get the first punch in or whatever. And I mean, he, he did what he did. But of course, Jesus had said to him earlier, Satan's desire, desire to sift you like wheat. 
And when you're restored to your brethren, and you will be, you know, good things are going to happen, essentially is what he said. So this is Peter's failure. Now, it is noteworthy, Judas was the betrayer. Okay, we talked about betrayal a couple weeks ago, that betrayal is brutal, because to be betrayed means that someone you love and trusted, and they, they betrayed you, they turned against you. So betrayal is very painful uh, in a marriage, in a family, um, adult siblings, in business, in a partnership. Betrayal is very painful. And Judas betrayed Jesus. And it caught the other apostles off guard as to which one would do it, but it did not catch Jesus off guard. Now, Peter, Judas hung himself and was not restored, and he went the way that he would go. And as Jesus said, it would be better if that man had never lived. Now, for Peter... He denied the Lord three times. We know later on in the Gospel of John, when Jesus was resurrected, he gave Jesus the, Peter the chance to say that he loved him three times, which is pretty cool how that played out in the, in the last chapter of the Gospel of John. But Peter's going to be a great leader for the Lord, and, he, and he's going to learn this night a valuable lesson that he can't do it in his own strength. He, he isn't so much better than anybody else, but he's called... He's going to be empowered on the day of Pentecost, just you know, some 50 days after this. He's preaching with the boldness of a lion, like it says in the Old Testament. Thousands of people give their life to Christ. He's a different person. But this was a bitter defeat for Peter. And before we move on, we have to consider that it's hard to go through life and not have some pretty bitter defeats, where you just feel defeated and routed by the realization that you weren't as strong as you thought you were in the Lord, you didn't take the stand you'd hoped to take, or you just had some great moral failure, or those things. And I remember Pastor Chuck Smith at Calvary Costa Mesa saying, you can never disappoint God. You can disappoint yourself, but you can't disappoint God because he knows everything. But you can disappoint yourself by finding out what's really in you and a situation revealing uh, just things about you that you didn't think were there. It wasn't even in Peter's mind or on his radar that he could possibly fail the Lord like this. In fact, shortly before this happened, he was bragging, saying, if these guys all bail, I'm with you. I'm ready to go to jail with you. I'm ready to die with you. And I don't doubt the sincerity of that. And quite often, some of us have had failures when we were maybe seemed sincere. We sincerely think, thought we could handle the situation or handle a circumstance correctly and all this. But in the end, it's a disaster and it's a rout. The story of Peter on this night is really one of encouragement for all of us because he denied the Lord. So if you think about people betraying you, wow, like Judas came with the mob of betrayal. But you know, when a mob comes to get you, you like to have someone there that has your back. You know, like people say like, dude, bro, I got your back. Like, I got your back. And Peter said all night, like, I got your back. Even if these guys don't have your back, I got your back. I'm right there with you, man. I got your back. That's essentially what he said. I'm with you till the end of this. Yeah, I cut the guy's ear off. You know, like, I got your back. But then he didn't. And maybe you've experienced something like, like this at work where you were wrongly accused and people were like, hey, I got your back. And then suddenly they didn't have your back. Maybe you've experienced something like that. Maybe it's a family situation where, you know, someone said, hey, I got your back. We're in this together. And then they didn't have your back. And they hung out to dry. Not betrayal. That's turning the mob against you. But denial, like just, hey, you're on your own with this one. It is human nature. It's human nature 
the fear of man is human nature. The fear of man is a snare, but it's a powerful force to fear man, men, humanity, and what they can do to us. Most of these people have stepped into eternity now, but all the great atrocities that happened in Europe in the late 30s and early 40s during, before and during World War I with the Jewish people and the gypsies and Romanian and other large people groups that were pretty much eradicated by the Nazis and the SS and their special groups that were organized for mass genocide when they murdered hundreds of thousands of Jews in uh, the Ukraine, in Kiev, for example, and more on the border, though, when you come from Bulgaria, Romania, into Ukraine, they murdered hundreds of thousands of Jews. They took them right out of the city. And the people that were in the city knew what was going on, but they were just... And as people would give their testimony of what happened when they were younger and they remember, and there's all these memorials now all over Eastern Europe in the Baltic republics where they you know, murdered hundreds of thousands of Jews as well, Latvia, Estonia, and those places. And then you know, all that parameter as you go into Russia, the Nazis pushed and they just... And there's huge millions of Jews and they, and they, they killed millions of them that way. And they released criminals to go out and kill them. They released criminals from the jails, the, the murderers and the psychopaths and sociopaths and these people. And then they let them kill the Jews. And they tried to get them to do their dirty work. And eventually the, Jew, the German Nazis took it over because it just... But the people that wanted to help them, and you see these confessions of people that live in these cities when these things are going on, they cry when they talk about it because they were so afraid to do anything. They felt so helpless and they would watch their neighbors be taken away, neighbors that they had uh, a tolerance and mutual respect for, people they shopped at Trader Joe's with or Vons or Target, people they knew, the cashier that they knew. And they, they, they shared life in these cities, and they were so afraid that they let these, and they were afraid. They were afraid. The fear of man is a snare. It's a curse in humanity that you and I, and I do include myself, often fear men more than we fear God. And it is a snare. And on the topic of denying the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus himself had said part of this in Matthew 10. Do not fear the one that can take your life. Fear the one who has the power to throw your soul in hell. He said that to the apostles. He said, you need a healthier fear of God than the fear of men. But the problem with time and our timeline is we're prone to fear men because it's so real and visible than to fear God who we see by faith and through the eyes of faith according to the promises of his word. Jesus said prior to this, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. And that helps us to appreciate what Peter got off the hook for this night. If you think about it, denying the Lord is a very serious, heavy offense as decreed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself for all the church age. I've mentioned in the past, Jonathan Goforth, the famous missionary in China in the early 1900s, the boxers, a prelude to the communist the Boxer Rebellion, as they rose up in 1901, 1902, and they went out killing all the Western missionaries. Uh, they, they killed hundreds of them. They would try and get them to renounce their faith, and what happened was is, is many people wouldn't, and they were butchered uh, right there in the villages, and they were called the foreign devils and whatnot. <clears throat> and then there were other people that panicked, and they renounced their faith, and they were missionaries, and they were foreigners. 
And so after the Boxer Rebellion was crushed, within a, a year or two, of course, China was very unstable in the early 1900s, but lots of Western missionaries are bringing the gospel. This is the time of Hudson Taylor and the Inland Mission, China, China Inland Mission, all that. But when Jonathan Goforth was thriving in his ministry in the early, right before World War I, like 1910, to, like 1908 to 1915, as he was going all these places, everywhere he went, one of the biggest obstacles was the restoration of people who had denied Christ into the church. Because even the Chinese who suffered for their testimony of Christ and lost loved ones, plus other Westerners, white people who had lost loved ones who would not recount, recant their faith, had stayed. So within three or four years, you had hundreds of people, thousands of people who had lost loved ones for confessing Christ, and then you had hundreds if not thousands of people who had denied the Lord to save their life, and they wanted to be in fellowship as the church went forward from these things that happened. And one of Jonathan Goforth's The Marks of His Ministry, By My Spirit, it's a very famous book actually, it's called By My Spirit, was the ministry he had of restoring people to Christ who had denied Christ, who felt like they'd committed the unpardonable sin into a fruitful, into a healthy relationship in the local church and a fruitful relationship. One can only imagine all over the world right now how these things happen even this day in places like the northern regions of India with the militant Hindus uh, burning churches, killing Christians on a daily basis in those northern areas of India, let alone in you know Bangladesh and these other places in the Middle East, Syria. And you know, even our good friend Victor Marx, who's been ministering in the Middle East for a while, he's talked about right now the ministry that they have, his ministry that... You know, pretty much ISIS is all but eradicated from the Middle East, but now they're trying to rebuild the lives of all these people who are so devastated by the war. And a lot of it includes forgiving people for allowing atrocities against them who did not stick up for them. And then people who denied their faith to not be killed by the, you know, ISIS and these other people, as opposed to Christians who lost loved ones who kept their faith. See, there's nothing new under the sun. It is a serious topic. I mean, this is a very serious chapter. I mean, make no mistake. This is a serious chapter. There's nothing more serious than Jesus going to the cross, being beaten blindfolded, and Peter denying the Lord three times who's going to lead the church. This is as serious as it gets. This is serious. Joey, you're serious. Of course I'm serious. It's a serious chapter. Funerals are serious and weddings are happy and serious, but in a good way, right? This is one of those chapters. If I could give one key thought to all of us in this room, man, hold fast to Christ. I thought of Rachel Scott today. Some of you might remember Rachel Scott. I'm just going to ask you briefly. If you remember Rachel Scott, please raise your hand. Rachel Scott. Remember Rachel Scott? Columbine High School, Colorado. She's the one girl when those guys came and killed all the students. They asked her point blank, are you a Christian? And she said, yes, I am. And they took her life. Teenager, you know, junior, senior in high school. They wrote a book about it, her parents and everything. That's the kind of faith you and I want. That's the kind of faith we want. We need to pause and meditate upon that for a minute. Timothy would write, excuse me, Paul would write Timothy saying how Jesus had the good confession before Pilate. And we're to have a good confession Paul said at the end of his life to Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. 
for all the foolish things that we can do in the experience of the human experience for men and women in our timeline, let us never be so foolish as to deny the Lord. But let us confess him with all boldness. As with the, uh, you know, in Amos it says, a lion has roared and the prophet has spoken and who can but speak. Let us be bolder now than ever before in our confession of faith for Christ. It's a glorious confession. We don't get to come back and reconfess Jesus after we've seen the glory of heaven and, and all of his goodness. We don't get to like, oh, I wish I would have been more bold. No, you, this is it. Because we're called to live by faith, and this is the timeline of faith, and our faith is our testimony and our confession of Christ that we believe that he's coming for us and that he has us in the palm of his hands. There are so many elements to Peter's denial of Christ and who he is, while Christ is true to who he is, which we'll get to in just a second. But Peter, Peter's denial is very serious because he, it just is. And yet Christ forgave him and restored him. That's comforting and encouraging and something that we should take to heart for our failures. Denying the Lord is something we should avoid at all costs if we can. And if for some reason we feel like we did, then may we just weep like Peter and go forward in grace as best we know how, like all those believers in China 115, 110 years ago from the Boxer Rebellion. And may we be the people that we stand with, with those who stand with the Savior. Because it is easy to, well, Satan said it best. Remember what he said in Job? Skin for skin, all this man has, he'll give to save his life. We're very prone towards self-preservation. Let us be the women and the men, young and old, who learn from our mistakes, grow in grace, are bold for the Lord, confess his name in our timeline, and when we finish this journey, that we can look right up as dimensions are changing and we can say, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, and I have finished the race. Praise God Peter got restored, and praise God for all that God did through him after that. It's very encouraging. But Peter did not confess Christ, and there's a powerful lesson for us in many different perspectives on that. Now, Jesus takes the beating, verse 63 to 65. These guys beat him. He's blindfolded, so you can't, you can't kind of cringe, you know, like to expect it. Like if, you know, you're taking a karate class or something, or Krav Maga, or just, you know, Taekwondo, whatever, Judo, like you're striking and you, you know the strike's coming. Sometimes you flinch before they even, like, hey, I didn't even do anything. You're like, you're already flinching, you know? I did Krav Maga for a year and I got, I got beat up pretty good. So like, I'd go like, and there's certain guys that hit hard, I'd, I'd flinch. I could see it coming like, oh, it's that guy. He, this guy kicks hard, man, it's gonna hurt. My wife's like, why'd you quit? I'm like, it hurt. I'm tired of getting beat on, man. <laughs> you know? Well, that's part of the process because it is self-defense, you know? So you gotta take a beating, like, I... I think I learned some basic things. Avoid fighting at all costs. That's what I learned, you know. <laughs> at all costs, it's like, hey, you know, woo, one way, peace, you know, like whatever. But uh, Jesus couldn't flinch, right? He couldn't, he couldn't, I mean, he's Jesus, so maybe he knew the blows were coming, but the idea is very malicious. If someone's blindfolded and you're beating on them, you've crossed the line. If you're a human being and you've blindfolded somebody and you're beating them, you've crossed the line. You're going in the realm of barbaric. Like, it's just, it's inhumane, it's cruelty, it's malice, it's great evil. But you find in, in all testimonies of war how uh, depravity sets in and it just, 
man, you just cross lines you can't come back from. It's like those guys when the stones rolled away, those guards. What line did they cross that they could see the angels and still go back and tell a lie for money? Like you just cross lines that your conscience is seared and your soul is poisoned and you can't come back from them. This is a great evil these men did, but Jesus endured this for us. Jesus endured this beating for us. If you've ever had a beat down, no one likes a beat down. If you've ever had someone really give you a pretty good beating, it's, it's like a car wreck. If you've ever been in a car wreck, you're, you're sore for a long time. No one likes a beating. It's a beat down. But notice in the morning when Jesus, those guys just do what they're going to do. Those people come and go. Like, I don't even know what to say about these guys. Who are these guys, right? It's like, this is a weird scene, right? If we're at a play, this scene opens up. It's just these guys who don't know. It's the middle of the night, and they're beating on Jesus and mocking him and blaspheming him, and then it's over. Like, who were these guys? They're not Pilate. They're not Herod the Tetrarch. They're not the high priest. Who are these guys? These guys are clowns, man. These guys are evil men. That's what they are. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Baran. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.